We have been in a series called Making History with God. You know, we started and we were talking about the Passover on Passover Sunday. What is the Passover? So we, we broke that down because that, there is so much rich content and illustration in the Passover itself. Then becoming who is the Passover. Last week we talked about fear and how the power of the Passover helps us to move through and some of the things that were taking place during the Passover and Palm Sunday, leading into Palm Sunday, how powerful that week, those two weeks were for you and I even today. We talked about fears, overcoming fears, how fears betray us, how fears lead to control, and how fears which lead to betrayal ultimately cause us to also not only betray our best self, but to betray others we love around us. And so we, we talked about how to overcome that. And so our big question and what we want to do and accomplish is how you can make history with God. What it means for you to make history with God. This has been a theme for me for the last few years because it was something I heard growing up. I heard whenever I was first got saved and I kept hearing these, these legends to me in, in the faith. And I would hear them talking about making history with God. Well, uh, I'm finally understanding it. And this message series comes out of that. And so I'm using some Old Testament context while bringing in the New Testament. And I'm showing you today how everything we see in the Old Testament actually is tied to spiritually spiritual truths in the New Testament. So I'm going to continue to break that down even more today over this whole Passover into the Feast of Unleavened Bread series or season because that's what we're in right now. You and I are just in this season of the Feast of Unleavened Bread following the Passover, and we're inside the 50 days that leads to Pentecost. Now, these are all festivals. These are Jewish festivals. These are very important uh, to the Jewish culture and the Jewish church, but they're also important to you and I because every one of these and everything within all points to Jesus, points to our Savior, our Messiah, so why we want to study these and why we want to talk about these is because they create a bridge for you and I for our faith between Old Testament and New Testament. And so we're talking about today, the, the title is, It is Finished. It is Finished. Now Jesus said this on the cross, as you and I know, and He said this, and, and He says, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Well, what is finished? Well, what we're going to talk about today is three things that you need to know about the fact that it is finished. And point one is this. The Lord forgives you. One of the main things you need to know about what Jesus did on the cross when he says it is finished, he forgives you. It's a continual. He continually forgives you. He's forgiven you. He's forgiven your sins. He's forgiven the future sins. He forgives you. Well, this is also comes out of the Old Testament. And forgiveness means to cease to hold 
something against someone. To cease to hold sins, in this case, against someone. It's, it's in the same sense, if someone comes to you and they acknowledge their sin or their wrong against you, and they are asking for forgiveness, I've done wrong, here's what I did, would you please forgive me? Well, that is our response to say, hey, from there, are we going to forgive or do we not? Well, Jesus says, whenever we come to Him, I forgive you. Immediately, I forgive you. He says, I forgive you. We have to have that in the foundation of our faith and our knowledge and our understanding of God if we're going to make history with Him because when we mess up, because you and I, we mess up. We're human. We have human nature inside of us. But when we ask for forgiveness... We need to understand that immediately God chooses to forgive us. Now, we seek forgiveness from God. We seek for forgiveness from others. We give forgiveness to others. But we also have to forgive ourselves from time to time. And in fact, this is a powerful statement. To choose to not forgive ourselves is literally saying that what Jesus, when you said, it is finished... What you did on the cross wasn't enough. And that's powerful. So if Jesus forgives us when we come to Him, then we should also be able to forgive ourselves of our past sins, our past issues, our past struggles. Maybe it's even in a current issue, in a current struggle that you may be going through. But it is finished. And, and so I'm going to show you some illustrations. Second Chronicles says this about repentance and forgiveness. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, part of seeking forgiveness and repentance is humility, humbling yourself, and pray and seek my face and turn... There it is. That right there is repentance in the Old Testament. Return from their wicked ways. Repent means to you're going one direction and you know what? I can't do that anymore and still honor others and honor God. So I'm going to turn and I'm going to go to a new direction. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. Then God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now that's beautiful. That's powerful right there. Because there may be some healing in your relationships, some healing in your territory, in your life, in your spiritual journey. Because making history with God is all about your spiritual journey. There may be some healing that needs to take place in your own life. And the key is you humbling yourself and asking for forgiveness by turning from your wicked ways. You know, we think, well, what, what I'm doing is not wicked. But is it honoring others around you? And is it honoring your best self? Because Scripture also tells us that anything that is not from faith is sin. So is what I'm doing living by faith or is it living in my secure zone, my logic of thinking, my reasoning? And so you need to consider that when you're thinking about 2 Chronicles 7.14. And then also Luke 17.3 says, Take heed for yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him. So we seek forgiveness from God. We also give forgiveness to others. And that's, we have to remember why Jesus was sent. We forgive ourselves. And then we also have to, have to ask for forgiveness from others because sometimes we're that brother. Sometimes uh, you're that husband or 
you're that wife, or you're that child, or you're that employee, or you're that boss, or you're that, you know, you fill in the blank. You didn't, you didn't intentionally mean to cause harm, but you realize by the life that you were living, it caused harm. And you sinned against someone you loved. And so Matthew 18 also speaks to that. But watch in this Old Testament illustration as God provides forgiveness and then requires that we show the fruit of repentance and asks us to sin no more. In fact, He, re he literally requires it of us. And if, in Exodus 13, 1, now th again, this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is during that season. Passover had just taken place. That means the death angel passed over. They sacrificed the sacrificial lamb and they put blood over the, around the doorpost and the lintel of the door so that the death angel would pass over and it would not kill God's people, their, their firstborn of child and of animal. And so God was giving them freedom. He was forgiving them. He was releasing them. He was bringing them out of bondage. This is all pictures, though it truly did happen. And then immediately, that would go into a Sabbath. That was the next day. We talked about this two weeks ago on Passover Sunday. And that Sabbath would initiate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so here's that week, and here's the initial Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You know, there was a time where you and I were out of bondage. We were in bondage, and God brought us out of bondage. And God says this, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. You know, for God so loved the world, He gave. And why did He give His Son? It was for forgiveness. He forgave. When He gave, He forgave. And so there's always a context of immediately God requires something to take place. Two things actually take place. Uh, he says this. He says, one, bring to me the first fruits. And then He says to, to, to us, by, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. It wasn't you that did it. It was the strength of the hand of the Lord did it. And here it is. No leavened bread shall be eaten. When we give the first of our increase, we are yielding our hearts back to God. When we give, we are saying, God, I trust you. I know that you are my provider. It is the strength of your hand by which my life and my family are able to stay steadfast and have provision. And so I am trusting you with, by giving back to you. That's what he was saying in verse one, verses 1 and 2. And then he says this. He's, I, you're saying I'm trusting you. He says, no leavened bread shall be eaten. Now, leaven is a sign of sin. It's a symbol of sin. It, it always has been. You hear it during the New Testament phrases quite often as Paul is speaking, as Jesus is speaking. Let no leaven, he says, no leaven, bre uh, no leaven bread shall be eaten. What he's saying there is now... I've saved you by the Passover. I've, I'm removing you. I'm asking you to give me your whole heart. 
because where your heart, where your treasure is, so too is your heart. I'm asking you to give me your whole heart, and then I'm asking you to intentionally remove the sin from your life. And so this is a, a Jewish feast where for seven to eight days, they would intentionally remove leaven as a symbol of sin from their homes, in fact, completely from the community, and no leaven could be found anywhere in the community. And so later we find out, however, uh, now this is due to the Passover having taken place, God now asked His people to intentionally get rid of the, the leaven, but later we find out in Hebrews, this is in the New Testament, Hebrews 10.4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Now, the Passover was all about sacrifice for the sake of blood of the spotless lamb to be put on the doorpost and the lentils for the sacrifice for, of people. It was, it was the death angel would be passing over as a, as a symbol for the sacrifice and a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people to be removed. This all points to Jesus. Again, we talked about on Resurrection Sunday. But later in the New Testament, wait a minute, though they were for centuries sacrificing animals for the sake of sin, we realize, wait a minute, the blood of bulls and goats, it can't take the sins away. So what was taking place? There was forgiveness that was being taken place at the sacrifice of an animal. However, forgiveness could not take away the sins. God was merely providing a way out, giving them, I'm gifting you forgiveness for the sins that you have currently committed, though they would continually walk in sin. He would use symbols to get help them to get rid of the intentional sin in their lives. And so this would however pr pr prove to be repetitive, a repetitive cycle for 1500 years from the time that Moses brought the people out of Egypt and they he got the law, the Torah known as the Torah and to the time that Jesus came for 1500 years they would go through this cycle of yearly sacrificing the Passover lamb for the sins of the people. Though the people, though they went through all of these rituals, they would continue to walk in the similar, if not same, sins that they had done the year before and the year before and the generations before. So sins, so the, the blood of bulls and calves or goats, could not take away the sins. So something had to take place. So, but the Lord forgives. You need to know that. The Lord forgives, and the Lord fights for you. And just this week, Governor Cuomo from the state of New York made this statement about COVID-19. It says, the number is down because we brought the number down and emphasized God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. That's how it works. It's math. And if you don't continue to do that, you're going to see that number go back up. And that will be a tragedy if that number goes back up. That's Governor Cuomo said, God didn't do it. Faith didn't do it. Destiny didn't do that. We've got to be very careful in statements like that. 
but God is not surprised by these things. In fact, historically, we've seen things like this, and God has been known to harden the hearts of leaders so that God's name be glorified. Look at this in Exodus 14, 4. It says, Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is right here during that unleavened bread time. He's coming out right here in the same month, same month you and I are currently in right now. We're in April. It was the month of Aviv in their time. Then I will harden the Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor. Notice that God is the one who's wanting to gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army. That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants now, not just the Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh, but his servants, was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we, are, we have let Israel go from serving us. It's like all of a sudden they realize what they have done. So he made ready his chariots and took his people with them. Also he took 600 Choice chariots, by the way, and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. That's, that's awesome right there. Because you've ever been given a word from the Lord, and all of a sudden you have confidence from the Lord, and that very next thing that you start to do begins to give you Boldness. You just walk a little bit stronger. Your chest's up. You just feel like you are, you're it. Like you've arrived. Whatever's going to happen next is just going to happen because God has willed that thing. And I don't know if you've, you've ever been in that place and you've discovered that, man, God is on your side and this battle is all, it, it is one. You realize God is fighting this thing right in front of me. And then verse 9 says this, So the Egyptians pursued them all, the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army. And then look at this in Exodus 14.10. Continuing, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, wait a minute, what just happened? There they were, they had a word from the Lord, and they're bold, and they're able to, they're seeing signs around them that the Egyptians are not pressing on them, and so they're walking out with full confidence, chest and head held high, and then all of a sudden they look back, and they see Egypt following them, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there they were, lamenting and crying, they were very afraid, and the children of Israel, they cried out to the Lord. What, what just happened? Like, what took place in that 30, 40... However many minutes it was between being freed to now being pursued and having all the fear. You ever been in that situation where you got a word from the Lord and you were feeling really confident, but some adversity came your way? And all of a sudden, you started wavering in your confidence. And you started wavering in your faith. You started wavering in your, your boldness with the Lord. You were, you were just in your prayer time. Like... You got a revelation in your prayer time, in your devotion time, and then you have to step out of the house and the times of adversity hit you and you turn into somebody completely different. Like, what just happened? What just happened? And here's what happened to the, the people of Israel. 
Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so, why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. All of a sudden, no longer do they want freedom. They want to go back and serve the people who had them enslaved in bondage in their places of comfort. They're like, what, have you, what are you doing taking us out to die out here? What have you, what are you, what have you purposed upon us? And, the, and Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now this is, this is amazing how we believers can do this and get, be so confident and then all of a sudden something happened and we start to waver around. We're first bold as light, lions, and then all of a sudden, some little pandemic starts to come around, and God is no longer God, and God is no longer doing miracles, and God is no longer a God who, who moves His mighty hand on our behalf. All of a sudden, well, He was amazing in the prayer closet, but I don't know if He can handle this, this type of situation going outside my house. I don't know if we have that same God. Maybe... Maybe it's you can't find toilet paper and all of a sudden you're having a bad day or a bad week. You can't get paper towels. Who's taking all the paper towels anyway? Maybe, maybe finances just have to be reworked a little bit. Is God still the God of your finances? Is God still the God over all of the earth? And all of a sudden we forget who's in charge and who saved us from this bondage. But remember... Going back, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's even right now in this day and what's going on with your life and my life. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Because verse 14 says this, The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So when you come out of that prayer time, you come out of that devotion time, or you get that word from the Lord and all of a sudden you are bold and confident and then adversity starts to come, here's what God's prescription is. Hang on. Hang on. Let this word penetrate deep down into your soul to change the way you think in these difficult situations to change your emotions a little bit. Hang on. That word I gave you in your prayer time while you were worshiping, while you were journaling, hang on. I'm coming. Hang on. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha felt when their brother Lazarus had died? Hang on. Jesus is coming. Your salvation is coming. The Lord will fight for you. Hang on. But remember last week, when we start to respond in fear and our reaction is according to the adversity, all of a sudden, fear, fear comes in. Fear starts to fill our hearts, penetrate our soul. And we can't see. We can't see that the Lord is fighting our battle. Hang on. 
Just be diligent. Just be steadfast. Just remember what the Word of the Lord said and hold your peace. Hang on. Ephesians 6.13 in the New Testament says this, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. When adversity steps out, whenever you walk out of that house, adversity hits you, you get that phone call, or you have that family member that's been affected, or you get that call from your banker, or that relationship issue, that feels like an evil day, but hang on. Put on the full armor of God. Remember what the Lord told you in your closet so that you will be able to resist, to keep your peace. Remember what He said. And having done everything, done everything that you know that you can do by faith, having fully applied the truth and the confidence and the peace of God's Word in you, you just stand firm. Don't waver. Don't be double-minded. He says, you stand firm. And you wait for the Spirit of the Lord to come and fight that battle for you because the Lord fights for you. The Lord fights for you. And that's, that's what I'm talking about when, I, when we talk about eradication of, of a pandemic or eradication of a problem. And, and the bigger problem is not really the COVID-19. The bigger problem is how our faith is being shaken and rocked and how we're living in reaction rather than response from God. We're, we're mirroring the panic of the pandemic and that's our biggest issue that needs to be eradicated. And God from Old Testament, from the first Passover and the first Feast of Unleavened Bread till now, through the New Testament, through Jesus, through Paul, through by way of the Holy Spirit is telling us to stand firm, only keep your peace. The Lord is going to fight your battles. Put on that full armor of God, but hang on because there's something greater that is coming. God forgives but God's got something even greater than forgiveness. This is something we begin to see in the New Testament. So the Lord forgives you. The Lord fights for you. And the Lord has freed you. And look at this in Matthew 26, 28. It says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The Lord has freed you. The remission of sins is much greater than the forgiveness that He was giving in the Old Testament. Now, it includes forgiveness. But when we're talking about remission of sins, we're talking about the complete taking away of your sinful nature, their sinful desires. Little by little, in the same way that God says He's going to take the, the children of Israel into the promised land and defeat their enemy. This is a spiritual picture for you and I. Little by little. And if we do it God's way, there's sin in our lives, there's sin in your life, that if you'll, if you'll seek Him and repent and ask for forgiveness, He will literally give you remission of sins now because of the blood covenant with, through Jesus Christ. And He will take away sin to where you don't even want to do it again. There needs to be no sacrifice year after year. No continual repentance if you'll do it His way. Look at this. Exodus 14, 19-25. 
says, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. Now, this is a picture of the Holy Spirit going behind them and going before them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and, a, and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other. Picture that. Now, the enemy, the enemy was living in darkness, and yet the children of Israel, God's people, had a cloud that was providing light for them in the same place, the same area, the same region. And so sometimes, we, the perfect picture for us to understand, there are situations that you're going through and God is trying to shine His light in an area maybe of your life, maybe of a, a situation, a circumstance that's in your life that has to do relationally, financially, some kind of issue, issue. God is shining light on that issue and He's putting darkness on the way that we would normally handle it or the way that maybe the enemy is trying to bring about a situation for us and we choose in that moment, are we going to go towards the revelation or are we going to go towards reaction? And you gotta, you got to figure this out for your life. And it, bega and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Okay. Then the Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong, wind, strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire, that's the Holy Spirit, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit right there in the Old Testament, and cloud, and He troubled the army of the Egyptians. And He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. Now remember, these were choice chariots, 600 choice chariots, and all of a sudden they have difficulty and they could barely drive them. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Now wouldn't you love to see or hear that the enemy of your life is literally fleeing because he or the situation, whatever it is, realizes, wait a minute, this person is doing life God's way. The Lord is fighting his battles. The Lord is going before him and shedding light on the right decisions to make, the right way of living, and the Lord is covering his rear guard. Scripture literally says that. So, so here we are, let us flee. Let us flee from the face because God is, God is protecting and fighting for them. Now Moses, though, he didn't do this on his own tuition. Notice the Lord had to tell him in the beginning. Moses didn't, in fact, Moses, what Moses wanted to do was sit and cry. 
Lord, they're taking us. They're, they're, they're going to overcome us. They're going to kill us. And you left me out here. And now the people of Israel are saying that I'm bringing them out into their cemeteries, into the wilderness. So, Lord, what are we going to do? No, that, that, that was Moses' reaction, right? And, and probably many of you, many of us, would have that very similar reaction. Lord, you brought me into this. Why aren't you doing something? But the Lord, obviously, very clearly, wanted to use and work through Moses to solve the problem of the enemy. To lead his people into a place of freedom. Now, God always chooses to use others. Though he doesn't need us, he chooses to use us and to work through us. But God will bring you adversity. He'll bring adversity to you so that he can bring victory through you. Now, we, we have to understand this. And maybe, though, as a parent or a boss, you've experienced this. Or maybe as a believer, you've overcome an issue only to have that issue return, that struggle to return. What you might find is you overcame it in your own strength. And yes, that thing, that temptation, that struggle has returned. And now God is saying, hey, you want to fight this battle with me leading the way? You want to do this my way? Because I want to give you complete remission. I want to completely take this sin away so that you no longer struggle with it. But it's going to have to be my way. Maybe, that's, maybe you've had that experience. I know I have. I know we continually have those struggles until we finally yield our lives back to the full Word of God. And then God all of a sudden begins to change our dynamic, our situation, our perspective, uh, our relationships to where all of a sudden you can see the fingerprint of God on a situation changing and fighting before us. There, now there's a, another level of grace even in our spiritual journey that we begin to experience because all of a sudden we found this, this place of yielding to Him and now God begins to move before us and move for us and there's a, there's a flow and a stream and a place that a sensitivity with the Lord that you begin to get that Moses must have had in the beginning, must have had in order to have the confidence or the boldness to even begin to lead these people out of bondage. You start to find that place with the Lord where he, you're just sensitive to His presence. Well, Exodus 14, 15, and 16 says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell, tell the children of Israel to go forward. Why are you crying to me? But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Now, this would have never worked if God hadn't have told Moses to do it. This was, this, was Moses's, this was God's plan for Moses to lead God's people into and across the river. But he says, he told him how to do it. If you'll go back, stretch out your hand, lift up your rod, see it over the sea and divide it. He's clearly giving Moses instruction on what to do and how to do it because God is going to bless what, what God is trying to move Moses to do. And God wants to bless the very things that He's trying to move you to do, especially in difficult times. Especially in difficult times. But lift up your rod. And to make history with God, you're going to have to give up your own reactions to difficult situations. And you're going to have to start 
applying the very truths of God's Word to your situations. The, the very truths of God's testimonies to your situations. No longer is it that you're crying or you're making your own decisions on how you're going to handle it. No, you're yielding, you're humbling yourself to the Lord, you're seeking and you're praying, and God's going to hear you. God's going to see a yielded heart and He's going to say, I can transform that. And then there's going to be remission of that sin in, your area, in that area of life you're going to experience new levels of grace and empowerment and boldness, confidence in the Lord, and you're going to see, wow, if God can do this in my life, maybe He can handle and help me through these situations, these other circumstances that I'm going through as well. And so we begin to take the experience from one area of life, making history, and then we move it into other areas of life experiencing new levels of grace in all areas of our life. Now, you and I get to choose. Do we want to stay on that side of the river of bondage or do we want to move across the river into a place of freedom? But God has set you free. And you get to choose and I get to choose if I want to walk, accept and walk in that very freedom that has been offered to you and I. John 1.29 says this, The next day... John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. Now this is in the New Testament. Remember, the Lamb, the Passover of God, the remission of sins, completely takes away the sins of this world. And God wants to completely remove the sin that you're struggling with from your world, from your situation. He wants to take you to new levels of grace. But you're going to have to lift up your rod. You're going to have to, to speak a little bit. You're going to have to yield a little bit. You're going to have to do things God's way. Because in your own strength, that struggle is just going to continue to return and return and cause problems and cause a lack of trust in the loved ones around you. It's going to continue to break relationships. It's going to continue to take you into financial ruin. It's going to continue to have a ripple effect in the opposite direction of what the Lord wants you to take. And here's why. Why are we free? Why are we free? Why are we free? Well, though our individual purpose may vary, like the, the whole reason that God created you may vary from mine. The way that that purpose manifests, the calling that that, through which that purpose manifests itself means to be lived out, is, though it varies, there's a very similar dynamic to your call and my call. Every call that's watched, every individual that's watching, there's a, there's a part of this that is very similar and it is very unique and it has everything to do with God's plan. Just like when, when God led Moses to lead the people out had everything to do with God's plan. And every one of those Hebrews had a similar call. And that was to get out of bondage. And here it is for you and I. Matthew 28, 16 and 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. 
And that's the same thing that happened to the Hebrews, though God had parted the waters. He, he, he moved Moses to, to work through Moses and parted the waters. He, he put the waters back upon the, Egypt, the Egyptian army and destroyed, annihilated the Egyptian army. Completely removed them from their path. And then they get into the wilderness for 40 years. They're in the wilderness because of doubt, because of a lack of trust and lack of faith in the Lord. So they wandered for 40 years. And the same thing after Jesus, the Passover lamb, had gone to the cross and had returned. The disciples saw Him, but some doubted. Some doubted. In verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. You see it right there? That's the unit that is similar to every call that is, in, is on earth. To make disciples. The whole purpose the whole, the whole major calling, small calling, whatever it is, the purpose in which you exist, we all have this, this epicenter of making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. All things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This word observe right here means to guard. Teaching them to observe. Teaching them to guard with their heart, their whole being, everything. To watch over. I want you to, to watch over everything that they do according to the Word of God so that they will observe it, they will obey it, they will, they will yield to the Word of God. It, it says, it also means to heed. Another definition for it is to scientifically detect. I want you to, I want you to be so intentional on removing the leaven from your life. I want you to scientifically detect every truth in God's Word and apply it to your life so your life changes forever and the remission of sins happens, takes place in your life and you don't have to wait until you go to heaven to live without this particular sin in your life. Completely removed. It means, it means obey, observe here to fulfill. To fulfill. Teach them to fulfill all of my commands. Simply put, just yield to God's ways. Let your ways be yielded to God's ways so that you can make history in all areas of life. In the Old Testament, God forgave and He required of them to remove sin. He required by law and it was impossible. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus forgives and empowers through remission. He empowers by grace. See, grace is not just salvation. Grace is not just gifts of the Holy Spirit. Grace also empowers you to live life more abundantly, to live beyond the sin that you've been struggling with, but it's going to have to be God's way. It's going to have to be meeting God where He is and doing it according to His Word, His way. But maybe, 
Just maybe you don't even know if you are forgiven. Maybe you aren't aware that God wants to fight your battles right before you. Maybe you don't know if you're free or not. Well, I, want to, I have a simple solution for you. And I want to invite you to know, to make sure that you know, no matter what, you're forgiven, you're free, and most importantly, you've got to know that God is fighting your battles and there is no need to fear, no matter this season or any season to come, because you are making history with God. So I want you to pray with me this prayer. And it's a simple confession, believing, repenting, and then obeying. That's what we talked about all through this message. That's what we've been talking about. That's the whole purpose of Passover. You say, uh, God, I, I believe, I confess, with my, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe, I believe that He was dead for, He died for my sins. He was hung, He hung on a cross and that He was dead and buried for three days. And He returned. Lord, please forgive me and my, my wicked ways, my sin, the sins which I've been committing. I repent. I'm so sorry for all the things that I've been doing. All the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the things that I've said, the, the words that I've spoken, the things that I've done. Please forgive me. And then the simple form is just begin to learn, discover, and obey because God's got a huge plan for you and God wants to do great things for you you're forgiven he fights your battles no longer do you need to fight them do it his way and let him fight them before you and know that you are free you are free to do far more abundantly than what you could understand what you could imagine and you're free from sin so Father, I pray for every person that is watching today. I pray for freedom. I pray for grace upon grace. I pray that as they begin to make history with you, they discover new levels of grace in your presence. I pray that in this season that your spirit draws them into a more intimate relationship. And I pray that you have touched them and you touch every family member that they have because of the changes that are going on in each individual's life that's watching this right now. And Lord, I pray for provision and I pray for protection in Jesus' mighty name. I love you and I'm so thankful you're here with us. I can't wait to see you again in worship. Drive by behind Whataburger, check out our building, pray over it, come say hello. We have some awesome things coming up. We'll see you next weekend.